this. <laughs> Geraldine Jadro, what's up? How you doing? I'm great, Corey. It's awesome. <laughs> so, so I absolutely I couldn't I couldn't let the opportunity pass to have a conversation with you and get to know you because I was really getting forward. I was looking forward to us getting to know each other, and I'm happy that just like we started the conversation maybe 15 minutes ago and we almost got lost in in the time and in the conversation and didn't hit record or go forward with the show so i as i said to you right before we started going i want to make sure that you know you're you're free you're safe you're welcome you're absolutely like it's such a pleasure to have you and you're so so treasured and safe in this moment oh that's beautiful wow I was wondering what was going to come off after the so, so that was a good one. That was a good one. Thank you. Thank you. So your story is great. It's so good. I mean, but want to talk real quick before we get into that, we'll talk about the uh, jungle gene. We'll talk about your new book. You just came out like a couple days ago. Uh, June 26th, just okay. a week from Saturday. It's been less than a week. So yeah. you, you already popped up to like a top seller list. You know, it's an Amazon bestseller, which mm -hmm. anybody who's in the publishing industry know that knows that's a marketing thing, mm -hmm. but it does take sales. So oh, wow. we hit uh, almost anybody can get Amazon bestseller if they have 25 friends. Mm -hmm. uh, funny enough, because it's one it's sales in, on one day in one category, mm -hmm. but we hit it in 26 categories across wow. four countries. Wow. So I call that a slam dunk. Yeah, dude. Totally. And then we did it again. That was on the soft launch. Then we did it again on pub date. So when you do it twice, mm -hmm. they, Amazon really likes it. You you get the favor of the uh, algorithms. And this is your fourth book that you published? Or so I have been a ghostwriter and an editor for 20 years. So okay. I've written a lot of books that do <laughs> not have my name on them. And I've written several anthologies that do have my name on them. Mm -hmm. I've, I've not written them. I've edited them. Mm -hmm. And one of my clients, one of my ghostwriting clients, decided they actually wanted to put me my name on the cover. So I'm a with author. But uh, yeah, this is the first one that's just me, by me. It's a huge passion project. It's also got Jean's name on it, but that's because it's a biography. But it's, I started, you know, I started writing this book with a piece of paper that had scenes I knew had to be in it. Mm -hmm. And that's where it started. And now it's like 300 and some pages. And yeah. I, it's, I have to say, it's my best work after 20 years of writing. Wow. I kind of know what I'm doing. So, so can I? Okay. So there's so many directions I kind of want to go in with you. And mostly I want to, I want to talk about the evolution. I want to talk yeah. about that, but I want to get to where the beginning of that was. Sure. Where, where I want to get to the beginning of that being the 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 surfing accident was that yes that is that that's actually the beginning of it all that's when my mm -hmm. life completely changed how, how uh, old were you when that happened I was twenty seven okay I was also twenty seven when I had an accident that changed did my you life. yeah it's an you know it's like it's Saturn return if you live in Northern California but mm -hmm. it's very um, significant really yeah. but and, but for me it was doubly so because my father had died the year before. 
-hmm. And I was training actually for my black belt when the accident mm -hmm. happened. I was actually out on the beach doing katas and, and practicing for my black belt test. And, um, and this thing happened that changed everything. Like it, I was, so do you want to hear the story? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I know, I know it, but, and I know you yeah. know it, but well, I don't think it's a people, long story. So I'll tell I don't, you I don't know it, know but it. I just, just a very abridged version that yeah. was, that was yeah. on your website. Yeah. But please, so, please uh, go yeah. into as much detail or as little detail as you possibly <laughs> want to go into. Okay. Uh, that's, you have, you I have like, the floor. I like you have permission. <laughs> it's a fun story. It's actually traveled around the world and come back to me. People have told me my story. Like, yeah. She went, I'm like, that's my story. I'm that person. You know? <laughs> so I was working down cool on experience. Fisherman's Wharf. That's why I was working on Fisherman's Wharf. And in the summertime, we have lots of people, international people coming down to get to work for the summer in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So it was in May that this happened. So a lot of them are around. So I, um, I was training for my black belt and I went out to Point Reyes National Seashore, which is north of, Cali north of uh, San Francisco, probably an hour and a half drive and uh, was running around on the beach with my friend for a couple hours really, when I decided to go dive in, you know, just run into the waves and cool off. Now I grew up in Southern California where there's a continental shelf and the waves come in very gently because the Santa Barbara islands are out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, I mean, the continental shelf there is very smooth. Whereas the one in Northern California drops off immediately and the waves slam into the shore. So I got hit head, up, head first, went head first into a very large wave and uh, it crushed C3 and fractured C2 and C4. Mm. So that makes a really loud sound that you don't imagine oh, you're gonna survive. Tuning. It's like, Kush, you know? Oh, and um, mm. my first thought was, so that's how it ends. Mm -hmm. And then I went into this, I won't go into all the details, I've written about it at length, but there, I went through a rolling recognition where every question I'd ever had got answered. Like, and just like, oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. So expanding, expanding, expanding until you're kind of the whole universe. Mm -hmm. And um, then uh, there's a bunch of things that happened. The thing that had me, I think I've heard a lot that in every near death experience, there's a moment where the person ch chooses to come back. Mm -hmm. And mine came when I realized what it would be like to be in my mother's body and get the news that I had died. You know, like I could actually feel it from her receiving that information. And mm -hmm. I immediately um, said, shit, I can't die now and mm -hmm. pop back up to the surface. Mm -hmm. So then I started screaming for help. My friend dragged me out on the beach. I was paralyzed. Recognizing that I was paralyzed was another, had the equal impact emotionally to the wave hitting me. Mm -hmm. It was like, as intense, I'm looking at my hand going, my hand won't move. My hand won't move. Why won't my hand, oh my God, I'm paralyzed. So another sequence of events and I've been dragged up on the beach. I'm, do you remember the matrix? Did you see the matrix? Yes. Remember the scene where Morpheus, where Neo goes into the construct with Morpheus. So it's this mm -hmm. total white room. Mm -hmm. So I was in that white room. Morpheus wasn't there, but it was me in the white room mm -hmm. and three movie screens showed up. And in one of them, I, it was my funeral. My brothers were standing next to near my father's grave. The second one was me in a wheelchair with a red plaid blanket over my legs, completely frozen from the next neck down. And the third one was this woman with long blonde hair spinning and just 
twirling around on stage, whipping her head around, you know? And, I, you know, of course I went door number three. And then I went through this process. My friend who was with me, she's a life, she had lifeguard training. So she was able to rescue me. She had this thought, and this is what I consider a divine intervention. So, so she had this thought, I need to make her move or she will never move again. So she stood up and started screaming at me, crawl, you know, with all the force of her being. And oh, in that crawling, I, I was in an altered state. I was in a different dimension because I just like seen God. And oh yeah, it there was must very have been like DMT release. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It does release right. in your brain. And mm -hmm. so I'm crawling up the beach and I think I'm the first amphibian to ever crawl out on the land. Right. And then the, my spinal cord kind of furls up and I go through all of evolution in my mind's mm -hmm. eye, but it's, it's a complete experience. I work with people now in the imaginal realms because we don't really realize the power of our subconscious. And right. when it's paired with your conscious mind and your super conscious, things can happen. That's the way to actually get rid of all these limiting beliefs we've all inherited. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that started my, that later, like even putting words to it didn't happen to quite a bit later. The thing that actually drew me to Jean, so I'm laying there, I crawl up, I go through evolution, I go through the creeping and crawling stages that a human infant goes through. And then I reach the dry sand and the heat on the sand brought me back into the, you know, like, okay, here I am. Mm -hmm. And then I was laying there and it was like the entire universe was an ocean of love and it was pressing in on my body from all sides. And I was absolutely completely comfortable, free of any anxiety at home, in my body, in the universe. And I had this thought, I said, this is how I'm supposed to feel. And then the very next thought was, why haven't I ever felt this way before? And in the long run, that's what brought me to Jean because the the Yaquana people, the people she lived with in the Amazon rainforest back in the 50s, they never left that place. They always knew that they were the right stuff that the, and they were comfortable. You know, it was it was the exploration of why haven't I ever felt like this before that yeah. actually eventually led me to her. So, Yeah. I have to say how grateful I would feel if I were you to my friend who had that divine intervention and the 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 just the the, the thought the 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 that spontaneous act on inspired thought to make you move like wow I I I'd have to say like you. I'd hope that you uh, write her Christmas cards or something. Oh, I'm still friends with her yeah. 35 yeah. years later. You don't, I mean, gratitude doesn't even begin to capture yeah. it. You know, yeah. she saved my life, mm -hmm. you know, and, and her saying, not only did she save my life, but she spared me the life and that inspiration that she had, I would say it was the word made flesh, you know, mm -hmm. like, because I was in this altered state and the word crawl, it like hit my tailbone and my tailbone mm -hmm. knew what to do. You know, it was this totally bizarre, bizarre, phenomenal. But she is still in my life. I wow. love her dearly. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. But, and when like, so in in that whole discovering Jean, I mean, did you already kind of know who she was? Was that something? I didn't. You know, that was also an interesting, you know, everything's a journey in life. So mm -hmm. 
I went to graduate school after that. Um, yeah. You know, I was on a, in a halo traction device and I was on disability for like a year and a half, just recovering. They did surgery. You can see my lovely scar and the, you know, holes from the halo. Mm -hmm. So it was a long recovery and I started graduate school. So that's when I did my marriage and family counseling degree. And I got out of school. While I was in school, I was working at Haight-Ashbury Psych Services and at Women's Alcoholism Center. Can, can I ask you to repeat that one more time, please? Yeah, Haight-Ashbury Psych Services. Okay. So you know Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, very I famous. I don't. Oh, really? Oh, my God. But Everybody's uh, heard of Haight-Ashbury. Every, everybody who's it. listening was probably yelling at me <laughs> for not knowing. But Well, you know, it was very famous back in the 60s. When, uh, well, you know, I wasn't alive yet. I know, I know, but it's pretty famous. It's like where it all happened. It's right. where, uh, you know, the dancing in the street and the huge concerts, the Grateful Dead, all that oh, was wow. happening right around yeah. the hate. Call it the hate. So um, anyway, I got out of graduate school and I was like, okay, now I can actually name and give numbers to every way human beings are screwed up. Mm -hmm. That was not why I wanted to know where all the happy people were and how mm -hmm. they got that way. It was like, okay, where are the healthy, happy humans and how they get that way? Mm -hmm. And then I read a book called The Chalice and the Blade by Rian Eisler. And it studies, um, it's a deep study into you know, they call them goddess cultures in the new agey world, but mm -hmm. they were the matriarchal cultures. And so I'm working at Women's Alcoholism in San Francisco. It's a, it's a family reunification program that mm -hmm. brings moms who've lost their kids because of drug addiction, brings them, gives them custody of their children if they live there for a year. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a parenting manual. And I was like, I couldn't enforce it. It was so weird. The ways they, it just seemed very unnatural to me. Like they wouldn't even let these moms comfort their babies when they were crying. Mm -hmm. Like really strange. Let them cry it out. I didn't know what was right, but I knew that was wrong. Mm -hmm. So um, I was talking to a friend about it and I was like, I don't know. I think I need to get a time machine and travel back to those times and see what their parenting manual said. Right. And yeah. uh, she said, It she seems said, like they're not breaking a chain that needs to be broken. Exactly. That's what the continuum mm -hmm. is. It's like right. a chain. It's a, right. it's a chain of evolution that. So let me finish this last piece. Please. So sorry. my friend says, oh, you don't need a time machine. Just read this book. And mm -hmm. she hands me the continuum concept. So that's how I discovered Jean. Mm -hmm. and, and then I went and went to a lecture she was giving in San Francisco and made myself her personal assistant and the rest is history. But the evolutionary piece was always so... Uh, let me just say briefly what the continuum is because it helps people to get a sense it's it is actually the biological evolutionary continuum of innate expectations so like you said the chain the chain of events that brought us to where we are means our body has certain expectations like your your lungs are an expectation of air your skin the way the skin is is an expectation of temperature changes it has all this ways to handle it so, and your body, as helpless as it is when you're first born, is an expectation of arms holding you, holding you close to it, sleeping, you know, sleeping close, all of that. Like infants in Bali don't, they, they have a ceremony when the child is six years old, six months old, and touches the ground for the first time. Wow. So they're always holding them. Jean coined the term the in arms phase. Mm. So, if you think about it this way, this is the best way to explain it. Humans are the most 
helpless when we're born. If you watch an other, another mammal, like a horse or a cow, they give birth and the colt gets up and gets on its legs immediately and starts, you know, kind of struggling to get around. Human infant would completely, would not only not be able to walk, can't feed itself. Mm -hmm. And that's because when we became upright mammals, the pelvis shrinks. So the woman has to give birth to the baby prematurely. And and we don't have a pouch like a marsupial, right. you know, so because we don't have a pouch, but we have opposable thumbs and we know how to make tools. So they they just made a sling, tied the baby. And this is this is how the, the treatment we expected, because it's what happened to us over seven million years of hominid evolution. Mm -hmm. You know, other mammals don't put their babies in the crib in the other room or have the you know, make a nest for the babies over here. They're all close, they know, and they stay warm and that's how they survive. So there you go. <laughs> the background on the continuum. So, so how did, how did she receive meeting you and, and all of that? Like, how did you, when your friend gave you that book and you had read through it and like, did, when when you read read the continuum for the first time, you had a feeling of like I must now not oh, only yeah. apply this, but have to approach uh, approach this somehow. I have to make this a part of my life, and that's kind of did that like, then motivate you to to speak to her at one of the, oh, totally. the lectures. I, I was so um, I mean it. I cried all after, you know, I read that book and I was just like weeping because it, it made so much sense to me. And so back in those days, we didn't have Google. So I, I was trying to track her down. The copy of the continuum concept I had was um, said she lived in London because she did live there for many years. So I wrote to her publisher and they wrote back and said, oh, she's living in Northern California on a houseboat in Sausalito. And she's got a lecture, by the way, in Pacific Heights, San Francisco, whatever date it was. Wow. So I, I went, I showed up, I went with my then Swedish boyfriend and, um, you know, talked to her afterwards and she invited me to meet her for tea. Now, the thing about Jean and our first meeting was very telling and it's actually also a subplot in this book mm -hmm. because the first day we met, so we have lunch at um, the depot in downtown Mill Valley. And she says to me at some point in the conversation, she says, Pussycat, there's something I always do to push people away. I don't know what it is. Promise me you won't leave me. Just tell me what it is I do. And she said, do you know who Gloria Steinem is? You don't know Hate Street and you don't know Gloria Steinem. Oh my God, I am so dating myself here. Gloria Steinem was um, like one, she's in her 80s now and she was one of the first big feminist to come oh, out. She wrote a book called Revolution Within. She started okay. Ms. Magazine. So she was one of the very early icons of that movement. Wow. And Jean, she and Jean were friends. And mm -hmm. she, would, she said to me that day, I ruined my friendship with Gloria Steinem and I don't know what I did. Just promise me you'll tell me what I did. So that became that became a thread through our entire relationship, and I mm -hmm. won't really go into it because it's it is one of the subplots in the book, and mm -hmm. uh, it has kind of put me onto this. I guess you could call it investigation into how we all do tend to do that. Almost everybody I know has some like little way that they shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again, and. Everybody around them knows it, 
but they don't know it themselves. Mm. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. And I've done a very deep investigation into it. That's really my whole work at this point is. Would you, would you think it was too weird for me to ask you if you've noticed what any of those things of, of you, of yours are? Oh, that totally. You? That's, I mean, you can't do that work with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, there's one that's more interesting though, and I do tell this in the book. So mine isn't that illustrative because my experience wasn't traumatic. My experience was actually something that was just so different. Mm -hmm. It's that it's that analogy like a fish in the water doesn't know it's in water. It only knows mm -hmm. once it's thrown up in the air and then it's like mm -hmm. there's something. So mine wasn't that traumatic, but I'll share the experience that um, someone else had. Boy, this is, we're getting... There's so much backstory I want to fill in, but I'll explain, I'll just tell you this one person's experience when he discovered his blind spot. So he was six or seven years old, living in San Francisco and young kid, never been in trouble. Maybe he was more like five, I think it was maybe five. So he's out in the backyard and he's playing around by himself and none of his friends are showing out. And they've got, this is when San Francisco, there were big lots between houses. Mm -hmm. So he's out there and he finds this hex nut in the ground and he's never, you know, a big hex nut that's heavy. Mm -hmm. It's probably mm -hmm. five or six pounds and he'd never seen one before. So he starts throwing it around and he's just having fun, like throwing it up. Wow. You know, it thumps. And, and so he's going through this and he, and eventually he throws it at the house and he's like, well, that's not a good idea. There's some chip. And then, and then he decides that he throws it really, really high and it goes over the, the fence and it hits a little girl in the head. So she's screaming, she's bleeding. This is a, this is a severe trauma, not only because it happened and he, nothing like that had ever happened before. And so the, but because then he gets hauled upstairs and all the parents in the neighborhood are huddled in this small kitchen telling him he's bad, like blaming him, pointing fingers at him, angry, angry, angry that he did this. And he's like, I, he could not speak. And he completely withdrew into himself. He was mad at his mother because she didn't defend him. And he completely, so when he came to look at this blind spot work. He didn't work with me. He worked with the person that I learned how to work with it with. His issue was that he would numb out. Every woman he'd ever been with had said that these words to him. I mean nothing to you. Like in the middle of a fight, they would say, it feels like I mean nothing to you. So sure enough, the, this tracks back to that moment when all these people are yelling at him and particularly his mom is not defending, is not coming to his aid mm -hmm. in his being, he made everybody mean nothing to him. And he, when he said that out loud, you mean nothing to me. Suddenly he could connect the dots. So there's mm -hmm. a way that, so I had a similar, my experience wasn't traumatic like that. Like I said, and it's, it's in the book, you can read about it, but my blind spot and my, I call it the machine, you know, my machinery was always, I'm out of here. I had a disappearing act. Mm -hmm. He had a shut down distance act. You know, mm -hmm. he was one of those people that pushed people away in a very different way than Gene did. He pushed away by shutting down completely. Mm -hmm. So does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. Cause I, I mean, I see that similar quality in myself. 
for sure. I yeah, guess. I wondered when you said, when you were asking, you were formulating your question, I thought, oh God, he's not going to ask me if I've seen his blind spot, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, now, that you've, now that you've wondered that, I'm wondering if you have. Uh, actually, no. I, it would take a while. I'd have right. to know you better. And in particular, see you under stress because these things really happen when we're stressed. And it, it is because when we're when we're very young and we do something to protect ourselves and it works, mm -hmm. then especially especially the very first time you have a, something like that happen, like this kid had his only other memory. It's usually related to your earliest memory. His only other memory was the time his mother, he had a new brother and his mother gave him a dollar to go downstairs and get bread at the corner store. That had never happened before. So, and it was so different. That's what mm. tags something for long-term memory. Mm. Right. Because it was one of those fish out of water moments. Yeah. It's a fish out of water moment. Mm -hmm. So um, now I lost my train of thought. So the <laughs> long period of time, is that what we were saying? the uh stress the the oh yes so so when an early event like that you actually so i always say it like it it lays down the cornerstone of the negative ego mm -hmm. so it's the, it's the part of you that can't cope with it going on so you develop a coping mechanism it's like you, you actually shut down because it's too much information oh i've never connected these dots before the first time i jumped out of an airplane mm -hmm. They warn you. So I did a static line because in those days there wasn't this whole thing. Now you can do a, a um, tandem jump, your first jump out. So you actually free fall. But we used to have to jump out with a, a, a group of people. That yeah. Were well, uh, no, no. It's you. You go with a jump master. So these days, if you go to a jump center, you're going to be teamed up. I think there's some places you can still do a static line jump, but the um, the standard way is you go and you actually get strapped by the hips this metal thing and you're totally strapped onto the jump master the very experienced diver so you go out the window with them and you free fall but with a static line you're going out alone but it's not up to you to pull the ripcord because it's connected to the plane so when you separate from the plane your canopy opens and the reason they do that is because you go into sensory overload because this is all new information, you know. Oh, yeah. There's no the way to, no way to relate. You can't relate, and your brain literally goes blank right. for about five seconds. Panic, yeah. I lost five seconds. It's mm -hmm. not even panic. It's literally everything just shorts out. Yeah, you know? similar, similar then, to a like a, a panic sort yeah, of. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what's the uh, what's the word that I heard yesterday? And I just I I laughed and I said we don't use that word enough. But it was oh, a, a calamity. calamity. A calamity. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's overwhelming to the senses. Yeah. So these experiences, like let's take this. He's he's sitting on the kitchen table, and all these people are yelling at him, pointing fingers at him. He can't talk. He can't explain himself. He can't even say, "I didn't mean to do it," because he's by now he's gone further and further behind this wall, mm. and so. The um, and and be because all this is like jumping out of the airplane, having mm. all these things happen, is yeah. it all coming at him? He's overwhelmed, mm. sensory overload. It is yeah. a kind of sensory overload, Dif so difficult to orient to that. He, he figures out some way to handle it, mm -hmm. which is to make people not mean anything to him in that moment, mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. when he gets stressed in future incidences in his life, 
that's what he does. Right. And it's a harder time to, to have somebody hurt you when you already don't care about their existence. Exactly. That's the mm -hmm. protective device. It's like, okay, right. you can't get me back here. Right. You can be as mad as you want, but you mean nothing to me. So that's how I protect myself. Mm -hmm. Good observation. I mean, it's it's a strange thing for that to, for that device to arrive in a five year old, but it. I I mean, I get it. I fully get it. But okay, so where was I before we started talking about the when we started talking about the 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 uh, flaw? Yeah. Oh, you asked how I got to Jean. Okay. And, and then that's yeah. part of, then you asked something about how I met her. Oh, and, yeah. And how and we were in Mill Valley and, mm -hmm. and what she asked me that first. So that's part of how I got involved in, in my long term relationship with her. Because, mm -hmm. because I promised that I wouldn't leave. And I'm a person who keeps her promises, apparently. <laughs> because she could be, she could be tough. She could be very tough. And when I would tell her, I'd be like, that's the thing you do that pushes people away. She, she kind of, she'd be too sensitive, you know, <laughs> like, well, that, that, that's miss it. As soon, yeah. Uh, uh, but you made me promise to tell you, yeah. you made me promise to tell you, 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 you gotta promise me at the same time when I say it, if I notice it, that you'll listen. That's, that's gotta be like the agreement. Like, well, oh, I had to have if you could have wished more. for a time machine again. Right. Well, you know, interesting. I think you were going to say if I could wish for a time machine and go back to when she first asked me. Is that where you were going? No, 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 no. Oh, because okay. you, you had said when you first discovered her that you said to a friend, oh, I wish I had a time oh, right, machine right, right. for these things. And she said, you don't need a time machine. You just need this book. And right. then the person who who wrote the book now is behaving in a manner that if you had a time machine again, you'd go back to, to the agreement. Right. Right. I, that's mm -hmm. actually kind of, so what you said about the way you said it, like, where you, you've told me and you have to promise me, you know, that would never have worked with Jean. I had to do the finesse Aikido mm -hmm. move. And I keep saying it's all in the book. Yes. I want you to read the book. <laughs> But uh, I had to work, do a workaround. I'm the queen of the workaround. You know, mm -hmm. when things don't work, it's like there's always some other way to do it. I, uh, I say that often. I'm the queen of the workaround. Let's mm -hmm. see how we can get this done. But well, that, that lends exactly to my whole, my whole point that I enjoy making is like, stop, be careful about what you say the way is. Most things <laughs> are a way. Exactly. And someone convinced you that it's the instead of a. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah, that's and that's the, what we were talking about before we came on, is the mm -hmm. adaptability piece. Right. Like adaptability is one of the I think most important. Adaptability, resilience. These are the things that these are really really valuable. Um, I guess they're skills. I don't think they're characteristics. Yeah, kind of attributes. Skills. Yeah. Uh, Qualities, but they're developed. You know. Right. They're, they're not, developed. They're not over something time. you're you just born with having it's something yeah. that you learn you know you learn through you learn through uh hardship and heartbreak yeah exactly a, a thing i constantly say is uh you know show me somebody show me somebody who's never had a struggle and i'll show you somebody who's never lived 
or who's really boring. Yeah, they don't they don't, <laughs> they don't have anything interesting about them. Like, well, what do you what do you bring to the table? Yeah. Somebody who's never had struggles. What do you yeah. bring to the table? Somebody with no life experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Good just, point. It's true. It makes us interesting, all our bumps and bruises and mm -hmm. you know, quirks. Damage. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Character comes from damage. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I, I, I do well. I always make this comparison to like how important experience is. Uh, mm. Remember the video game Super Mario Brothers? Right. In the Do you remember Hate Ashbury? <laughs> no, <laughs> different universe. Right. The original Nintendo Super Mario I remember Brothers. Pac Man. I have never had a Nintendo in my hands in my entire life. Well, in the begin in the beginning of the video game, in the beginning of the video game, there's one guy there and the first time you play the game that guy always kills you oh then, okay then you get a second time and you always know to get right out of that way that guy and i look at that as a way for like experience to be valuable in your life so yeah. like i look Learning, at things like yeah. like the like the second chances on a video game yeah but i think i followed you adaptability yeah <laughs> Well, and that's what evolution does. You know, that's how we shape what we are is we adapt to the circumstances. I mean, and growth hopefully comes like that's that's pretty frequent in in any evolving story yeah. is uh, growth and, and and kind of sharing it and getting, you know, showing showing people that it can be different than what they've been convinced that it can be yeah and you know having hopefully they do the same thing and then the people they showed can show somebody else and and so on and so forth and what have you well you're talking about the structure of all stories mm -hmm. uh joseph campbell the hero's journey like everyone it's like there's a gauntlet thrown down there's some challenge to overcome that's in, if you look at movies they all have that as the foundation so it doesn't surprise me that it's in video games and what did you what is it called the thing that you talked about super mario <laughs> yeah yeah well that was like that was like 30 years ago that game but um i remember I was just a little kid when that came out, mm -hmm. but I remember dying on the first time I played it every single time. Are you a gamer? Are you still a oh, gamer? No, I suck at games. Oh, no, really? I, I I love video games. I, I think they're great, but the thing is, I suck at them. So <laughs> well, that might be a good thing. The second I go to play them, and uh, people go, "Oh, you just got to stay with it. You got to keep playing." I'm like, "Yeah, but if I stay with it and I lose and I spend the whole entire day losing, I feel like I lost a day of productivity. Yeah, I could yeah. have been doing anything yeah. that was valuable, or uh, you know, adding adding some knowledge to my life or some value to other people's lives. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing that by continuing you, to. You're a wise man. Thing. You know thing. where there's a dead end rabbit hole when you see one. <laughs> right. <laughs> There are any number of things I don't do for exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's probably why you never owned a Nintendo. <laughs> I don't know. So so how did you how did you recover from the the being paralyzed? 
Um, so it was interesting because I, I actually think that it's quite possible that I could have been paralyzed if it hadn't been for that experience. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some debate about this. Mm -hmm. um, one explanation is that my spinal cord was shocked, not broken. Mm -hmm. But it was a severe enough break that when my when my um, when my chiropractor looked at the it, it's such a long story, but I went to the chiropractor before I went to the hospital, mm -hmm. and she took an X-ray, and she told me many years later that when she looked at my X-ray, she threw up. Mm -hmm. It freaked her out that much. So when well, I went to it was like jumping out of an airplane. It was a sensory <laughs> overload for. Her. Oh, yeah, well, maybe. Well, I don't know. It's probably a little different. It's like retching from your mm -hmm. stomach instead of from your brain. Mm -hmm. But um, then I went to um, Children's Hospital in San Francisco, and Dr. Lavornia looked at the x-ray, and then he looked at me, and he said, you can't possibly be walking. So I choose to think that it was a miracle, and that the evolution, the going through my spinal cord, actually allowed the nervous system connections to hook up. It turns out, this is an interesting coincidence, there was a woman named Emily Comrade Daoud who developed a bodywork system, you know, like Feldenkrais or some of those other things called continuum work. Mm -hmm. People often, when they hear the continuum concept and they say, oh, is that that bodywork or is that Emily? And I'm like, no, no, it's a different, but there's a similarity in that it refers to this evolutionary trajectory or chain, you called it. So, mm -hmm. in the, and what she started doing, she started working with people who were paralyzed. Those were her first clients. So there was some way that she understood that this intrinsic movement, mm -hmm. this like natural way, if you think about the, the, um, the how, when we develop in the room, what's the, in the womb, what's the word I want the zygote into? Yeah, we go yeah. through all of evolution, you right. know? You mm -hmm. go from single cell to being this little thing that kind of looks like a um, polywog, you know, it's all very, it's stage-wise. So mm -hmm. to go from being paralyzed to on all fours at first to walking. Mm -hmm. Now, I did have to walk very slowly back to my car. Fortunately, I had martial arts training. Mm -hmm. That's probably the only reason I was able to. I think I actually think the only way I can make sense of it, because I hiked five miles back to my car. Mm -hmm. We were we had hiked out five miles from the wave, this, from, the, from, the wave but that uh, from the parking lot at Point Reyes. Mm -hmm. We hiked Bear Valley Trail to the coast. That's a five-mile hike. So right. we had to make the way back to the car. And um, I would walk about 200 yards, and then I would fall forward, let the tension drip off my neck, and then very slowly lift my head up again and walk in like a low. Thank God I had martial arts training because mm -hmm. I could walk in a low stance. And I actually think that day, I'd been training for three or four years by then. And there was a lot of conversation about chi, you know, and energy, and it was all conceptual. That day, it became real. Practical, yeah. And I think I walked out of there in my chi body. That's mm -hmm. that's the only way I can explain it. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's cool. I, I wouldn't ask you to stray from your story. I absolutely <laughs> want just your story and nothing, nothing but your story. So... Bet you, I, I, I mean, I don't know for sure because I didn't, I didn't look it up, but I bet you, lots of, lots of people have probably wanted you on their podcasts, and you've probably been on a bunch of podcasts now. And I wanted to make sure I didn't go ahead and ask you all the same questions you get asked every time you're on any other show. 
So if if, <laughs> if you could, <laughs> what what is the most common question you get asked when you get on when you get on people's podcasts? Well, these days, because jungle gene is the thing, is they they want to know what the continuum concept is. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, actually, you're only my fifth. Okay. I am kind of new at this. <laughs> okay. I only just it's because I discovered Podmatch. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, now this makes it fun. There's another, mm -hmm. there's another platform that does not make it fun. And I'm like you, it's like, if I suck at this, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but Podmatch, I got good at it really quick. And and I've never been on a dating site. So go figure. Uh, but um, I'm a writer and I know how to approach people. So it has been fun. I've got like 12 or 24 booked, 12 to 24. It goes up and down because people don't confirm on that, on mm -hmm. that. Um, it's weird. They need to get that together. But uh, so people ask me about the continuum concept. Um, that's the biggest thing because it's what I'm I'm mostly talking about these days. It's why I got on podcasting. Mm -hmm. These days in the book world, you don't go on book tour. I mean, even before book. even before um, press ring, you just go on. Even podcasts. before COVID, there was mm -hmm. book tours were like funky. A friend of mine who had like her fifth book out, and she went to somewhere like Kansas or somewhere. Mm -hmm. to do a book talk in a in a bookstore and there were 12 people there she's like like why bother when you bookstores can... are like pretty rare these days yeah really <laughs> nobody yeah. goes to bookstores anymore. there's not really a whole lot of bookstores you know i had this this bit i was doing i i, I do comedy sometimes but uh there's a the bit i was doing where i talked about uh being surprised that libraries still exist because oh. Because of, yeah. you know, you, everybody's got all the world's knowledge in their pocket, yeah. like at all times, like the, libraries are kind of uh, ancient history, right? At this point. And I, I saw a bunch of, I saw a bunch of cars in the parking lot at my local library. And I was like, oh, that place is still open. I didn't know. And I went <laughs> in, I went in and no one was reading any of the books. They were all in in the computers on the right, internet inside the library. get on internet at the I, was like, I was like wait so you're using the thing that makes this place obsolete inside this place, this place inside yeah. this and i was like oh think about There's like some irony here it's like that's like if you go to your current girlfriend's house holding hands with like your side piece and you're like hey you mind if we make out in your living room <laughs> your side piece i don't know if i've ever heard that one what, what what's the one I hear all the time? You're uh oh god, I can't think of it. It'll come to me. Um, I'm I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> There's side hustle. What is it? Something on the side. You're something something. Uh, on the side. Uh, something something on the side. Something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I like side piece though. I'm doing that one. Do it. Do it. So, I, can I ask you a question? You can. You know what? I was exactly what I was going to say. Oh good. I was going to say. I'm so pleased that like you're, you're you're joining me and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying it. I want to make sure I give you the opportunity on on the record. Ask me anything you want. Tell me anything you want. Well, I'm so my curiosity for. is about your comedy. Mm -hmm. Are you doing stand up? Is that yes. a consistent thing for you? Yes. Is, yes. Are you aspiring comic? Yes, that's that's my that's like my one of my biggest dreams in my life. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's and, a beautiful uh, thing. And I'm doing pro wrestling. I've been in the pro wrestling business since I was a teenager. 
So is that your business? Is that your profession? Uh, no, it's 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 like it's like being in a cover band. Like it's the same. Oh, right, thing. right. So it's right. not like I'm. It's not like I'm rolling in it. It's kind of like you you just right. go do a show and you get paid for that night and then you leave. Like it's so not. Do you? Is it literally like you're the the opening act for the big guys, or are you just saying it's kind of a smaller arena situation? Oh, it's just it's independent wrestling, so it's not like the WWE. It's mm -hmm, just like you mm -hmm. go to you like a fire. Is there an or, audience? Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, it's wow. a little a little audience, but you know, you know, maybe maybe fifty people, a hundred people couple hundred people this is this is wrestling this isn't mma this is like right. i used to watch it in in high school i remember the wrestlers and they're on the mat and just like that kind of wrestling no no not like um not like collegiate wrestling oh okay <laughs> no it's like it's kind of like it's just like the wwe style like okay. the 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 ring with the ropes on it but it's okay boxing it's, isn't that boxing no, boxing is just punching okay. with gloves. I've got, I don't, obviously, I'm out of my wheelhouse. I'm going to go get some water and give you a chance to find some lyrics. All right. I was thinking about the song Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls by TLC. And in the song, in the song, she, uh, there's a part in the storytelling where she says, uh, his health is fading and he doesn't know why three letters took him to his final resting place. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've never been super positive about what those three letters were. Hello, you're back. There we are. Welcome. I have to say, I haven't had this much fun on a podcast. Oh, that's so awesome. Far. That's yeah. awesome. I I was I was kind of in the back of my head hoping that you were feeling that way. But well, you know, it's just I like how uh kind of wild and crazy you are. <laughs> Thanks. Well, uh this these things that I'm doing, um, all of this, this the podcast from the beginning. So you're at 247 episodes. That's crazy. That's a lot of podcasting. How many years I, has it taken you to do that? I started in 2017 uh -huh. doing this show. So I, I think since I started doing it, I started, I've gotten to know me more through doing this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the, like the whole part of me, like calling it evolving with mm -hmm. Corey Castle, it's less about how, uh, it, my name's on it because because I'm the host, but it's more like you're watching me become who I want to be yeah, or yeah, becoming yeah. better versions of myself. Like mm -hmm. if maybe if you were to try, I, I haven't done it, but if I were to go back and try to listen to the early episodes and compare them as as the time goes on to like how much I've learned about who yeah. I am and yeah. uh, this being kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to not say it but i do want to say kind of the thing i was made to do the, uh -huh. the 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 conversations that and the messages and the the quality of life that i kind of display and the i don't want to even say advice because it's just that i'm speaking about how i feel 
and my experiences um, hopefully would um, get me closer to evolving to where I'd want to be. Well, it's, what I'm hearing is that you're, it, it is a, it's like a, it's like you're true. It's truing you up. Mm -hmm. it's, it's bringing you closer and closer to who you are because you have this challenge and you, you take it on on a regular basis and it just gets you closer to the truth of who you are. Do you know what you said earlier that made me think of it? Um, Cause I, I always wanted to write a book. I always wanted mm -hmm. to write an autobiography about my life and my life story and how, like how unique it was, how unique it's been, how unique it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'd always think about how there might be things that I might say in the book that I won't agree with in five years. Because <laughs> I'm always changing. I can relate. Right? There's there's gonna be there's gonna be a time when I've I've had this thing published, this 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 work is gonna outlive me. And uh, in five years, something I said might have hurt it hurt somebody's feelings. And then they come to me and they go, Hey, you said this in the book what did you mean by that? You hurt my feelings in saying that. And I'm like, Oh, that's how I used to feel when that came out. But I don't know if I don't feel that way anymore. And then I was like, all right, we can still achieve the book thing later. But for now, audio is the new literature because yeah. if I have this thing where every, every week or every, every day, if I want it, I can, I can go, Hey, I said last time this thing, I don't think that anymore. Or I, you know, I've gone through points in this where I go, all right, I'm done doing comedy. Okay, I'm done doing wrestling. And then I'm like back again and I'm like, I'm back, back yeah. to wrestling. I'm yeah. back to comedy. And it, and yeah. it's it's like it's it's as fleeting as the <laughs> as fleeting as the, the wind blowing through the trees. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I can wrangle it back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and make something good out of it. And, and and honestly, I I love to be able to say that I'm offering at least that when you're done doing this episode, you'll go, hey, that was the, the funnest podcast I ever did. Or that was, the, I mean, I don't have tons else to offer. I, like, I'm not going to give you a humongous spike in your book sales from my audience but uh, i'm at least you can you're not I, I, maybe that's the deal <laughs> <laughs> we should have if we could go back in time if we could go travel back to before we ever started <laughs> doing this thing there was no agreement in that way yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I i just would hope that you know, I love I love the resources and the things that connect things to each other. Like if I go, oh, this is the thing that connected us together. And then later on, I knew somebody who could absolutely benefit from an amazing conversation with you. Yeah. And yeah. I connect you to as sources or if, you know, I'm talking to somebody and your story rings true and on in, in relation to whatever we're talking about. And then I tell them about the story and then that that lights them up. And inspires them, and that's why I hope whoever is hearing or listening to to your journey is going. Wow, you know what I mean? That's that's that really that really like lights a fire onto me. That makes me really want to. That makes me really want to accomplish my goals. Yeah. So, like the same the same when it came to like 
when we talk about being 27 and that being the moment where it was almost all done, it was like going back to the in utero thing. I had a, I had some veins that didn't form correctly in my brain. Uh -huh, huh. And when I was 27, I had a, a grand mal seizure that, oh. that um, I was, I was taking a shower at the time and uh, the, I fell through the, the shower curtain and broke the toilet. But as I was go falling, the curtain itself wrapped itself around my face. And I felt, and I was seizing with and suffocating at the same wow. time. On, wow. On you curtain. lived through that. Mm -hmm. And my, wow. what the thing, the thing right back to what you said, the divine, that that yeah. vine intervention yeah. Was it was a, it was like a Thursday? It was a Thursday. Normally on Thursdays, uh, my mom my mom had a my mom had a part time job that she would work. Uh, my sister was in school. She um, and and I was living with them at the time. But they and uh, also uh, I would go in the bathroom. I'd lock the door and I turned my music up way loud. For some reason, I didn't lock the door. I didn't turn on the music, and my mom and my sister weren't at work. They weren't, they weren't at work and they weren't at school. Oh, interesting. And my mom heard it. My mom banged on the door, came in, saved my life, pulled the curtain off wow. my face. And, uh, and, uh, then they, they choppered me to university of Pennsylvania. And, uh, wow. later, wow. later in the month I had, a I had a craniotomy. They, they fixed the AVM in the front of, and it was over here. See, mm -hmm. if this is, all, mm -hmm. see how, see how my forehead kind of dips in a little bit right there. Like oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, my my they had to they had to, and and that they did a really good job with saving all my hair. My hair is great, but <laughs> <laughs> you have a nice hairline, that's for sure. Thank but you. you're young, <laughs> you're young. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> so they 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 cut me from this ear. All the way up over here, oh, wow. up, up, right up wow. the top here, and they they peeled my face down. Yes. You didn't need to go there. But, but the Although, point of me, you know what? They peeled my. They had to go here and peel this. So we've both had gross parts of our upper body peeled aside for surgical <laughs> interventions. The reason I was only saying that was because when they peeled the face off, they didn't. The fat deposits didn't return mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in my forehead right mm -hmm. here, and mm -hmm. I'm like. If that's the only complaint I yeah, have, yeah, and I got to return to all my physical activities, I got to return to doing everything, and not only that, I got to be better at all that stuff I'm than I so ever with was. you. I am so with you on that. I have nothing. I can mm. do like yo extreme yoga. Nobody with what mm. I had should a be walking yeah, right. and b being able to do extreme yoga. It's mm. crazy. We're both we're like both blessed Survivors. with. I think I think divine intervention is a good way for you to frame what happened to you that your mom that they were home. So yeah, that's amazing. But that's quite a story. Going back, you talking about your uh, learning to walk again and all that stuff. They they pitched to me that there was a good chance that they might have to keep me for longer in the hospital for rehabilitation. And they yeah. said that you might have to learn to read and write and walk and talk all over again. Uh -huh. and, I, as soon as I as soon as I heard that, I said I'll be home in a week, uh -huh. uh, and I I didn't accept. I didn't even hear it. I didn't hear it because I was already in the mindset of 
returning to all my activities. Yeah, I had a similar experience when the, so the neurologist came to see me in the hospital and he said to me, you know, he's like, what do you do? I said, I'm a bartender and, and, but I'm a martial artist. And he looked at me and goes, well, you'll never do that again. Mm-hmm. I looked at him and I said, you do not know who you're talking to, do you? Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't, that was not going to stick that there was no sticking with that mm-hmm. one. So we both had that like knowing that, mm-hmm. yeah, nah, but you were how old? You were like, I was 27. I, Oh, you were 27 when this happened? Yeah, that was that was when this, 10 years when, ago. Mm-hmm. So did they not know you had this whatever malfunction? No, malfunction? no. It was a, it, in the research that I did, it said that 128,000 Americans have it, and only oh, 32,000 wow. Americans ever find out about it while they're alive. Oh, how interesting. How interesting. But wow. uh, it's Ricardo Montalban. You know who mm-hmm. that is? Mm-mm. Uh, Actually, that's he's an actor, right? Right, yeah. He had a uh, AVM in his back, and that was like what wheelchair bound him in uh, his older age. Uh, but uh, the, mine was a cranial. But also, there's a couple football players. Uh, well, Mike Mike Patterson from the the Giants and the Eagles. He had one on the day before me. The same exact, like the day wow, before, wow, the same bizarre. exact thing happened to him, and he was in the. He was on the Philadelphia Eagles at the time. He collapsed on the practice field. Uh, I'm in Philadelphia, and it happened to me the following day, the exact same thing. Wow. wow. For, it's just It just cracked me up. And then, uh, not cracked me up, but I mean, it was, it, it tripped me out that it was like, oh, only this many people have them, but two of the same people in the same city, like just a day, day apart. Oh, right. a day apart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then, um, and then the actor, actor, comedian, TJ Wilson had it as well. The, uh, he was in like Transformers and Yogi and uh-huh. a bunch of, bunch of, I think he was in Deadpool as well, uh-huh. but he had the exact same thing, but I think the year before me. So it's, 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 it's interesting because I look at those people and I look at a lot of people who like survive things like this, like as inspirations for me to like exactly yeah. go through, go through, and and just like put this thing behind me. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I said this, I said this on this show a few times. So if the listeners you've heard this before, bear with me. You'll hear it nine million more times. Do you think that's part of why you started doing podcasting? Was that something that pushed you to? make a make a change or or uh, am i making that up no i mean i totally get where you're going with that i get i totally understand that i think that um well how old are you now i'm 37 oh okay never mind that was a long time ago yeah i mean i'm not sure it would be associated but anyway (laughs) no but i i i think i got i've gotten to know me so much more Mm -hmm. like i i started thinking about I started thinking about me before this podcast. I started thinking about the me at shows like that. I would just be quiet and not talk to people and I would never be vulnerable. But I had another, I have, I have another podcast. Uh, my other podcast is called wrestle rock where we just talk about wrestling. It's like a, a wrestling comedy talk show. Uh huh. And it's only an hour and we have to stay on topic when we talk about pro wrestling and the current right, yeah. TV product of wrestling. And I re- remember at the end of every episode always being like, 
there was so much more I could have said. There was so mm -hmm, much mm -hmm. more about me that these audience members need to know to kind of be inspired. And I would like leave some very like <laughs> the intro to the show for a while was like, they were like, and Corey Castle. And then they'd like play a sound clip and it would be me going, tell all the people that you love that you love them. And then, <laughs> and then the co-host being like, you hippie. <laughs> like, I always try to like throw in little like, ex like change Some personality. Right. Yeah. Change what we're normalizing as people. Yeah. Stop, like get out of the cycles that, that we're used to and, mm -hmm. and evolve. Mm -hmm. So then I decided that I was going to start evolving with Corey Castle at the podcast which another story I've told on the show a billion times, but I didn't, I've never told you. So here's the first time. <laughs> Whoops. Uh oh, sorry. That was, that's, that was the getting boring. No, that's the, that's the, it's seven o'clock. I really actually have to go before too terribly long. Uh, okay. Okay. So get into that. It's going to lead into, it's going to lead into just two more quick things. And I'll send you right off into the sunset with a hot dog and a handshake. We could say good night. So, what what I always tell on here is that when I first started the podcast, my mom was talking to me about how she had saved these voicemails on her on CDs that were left on her on her cell phone, one from her mom and one from her best friend who had both uh -huh. passed. And she uh -huh. said to me, you know how like when people die, you forget what their voice sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah. like. Oh, I don't want that for me. I don't I, for for my loved ones. I want them to be able to hear who I actually was this whole time, and maybe mm -hmm. what watched me evolve from the beginning of this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and I, it's a legacy piece for you, then. Yeah, I, it's a big part of that. And I mm -hmm. I say that leads me into what this next segment is. Considering that this is going to outlive us, mm -hmm. this this recording is going to outlive us. I want to make sure before before I get into the next question that I've got for you, I want to say how grateful I am for you and how important and valuable it is to me that you've spent the currency of your effort and your time and your emotional uh, strength on hanging with me here today. I respect you so much and you inspire me and I'm so, so, so like ridiculously grateful that you've given me this time today. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Corey. You're so I enjoy it. You're, you are a wild and crazy podcaster. Thank you. And I Thank wish you. you all the best. 270 episodes. That's very, very impressive. That's quite a sizable legacy. 247. 247. So 247. Did I flip the numbers? I guess I'm still a little seven. dyslexic. <laughs> well, it's okay. It happens to me too. I get that. Yeah. Way. Yeah. I, uh, so, in the vein of me saying all that on the record stuff, I say that so that I can say this. In in 20 years, we don't know where we'll be. But this audio is outliving us if we pass in that time or, you know, wherever we are in that time. The people who love us most, our family, are going, your family specifically, Stumbles across this audio. God forbid. <laughs> you you are now 
participating in audio time travel and speaking directly to mm. the people who love you most from 2021 to 2041. Mm -hmm. So whatever you say next is directly to those people. And oh, that's, that's beautiful. Um, hmm. Wow, I wish you would have front loaded that one on me. Oh, no, uh, that, you know, that, would I, do, um, that would knock the spontaneity out of it. And I don't, you know uh, what I'm going to do? It's, it, this is, um, I want to read one of the acknowledgments from my book. Please. Can I do that? Because you I sat with this quite, this was an important thing for me. Um, first of all, I dedicated the book to my mom. And what I said was to my mother, whose love and support carried me through the rough patches when I nearly lost faith in myself which is really true. Um, so there's, I said something about here, her here and also about my brothers. I have three brothers, no sisters, all. And I, so naturally I was a tomboy. Um, oh, that's the, about the author. I'm looking for the acknowledgements. Oh, here it is. So my heart is so full of love for all those who showed up to support me and when necessary, push me to bring this project to fruition. I want to thank a number of people individually, foremost among them, my mother, Carol Jenrun, who, where would I be without you if it wasn't for your strength of heart, mom? Um, I won't go on about the others, but I'm gonna jump to the end. And this is, um, lastly, to my three brothers, Greg, Robert, and Paul, for being there through it all and for spawning our beautiful extended family. So they, you know, my brothers all had children. And so I have like seven nieces and nephews. So even though I wasn't a mom, I get to be an aunt. And that is a very, very special part of my life. Mm. But mostly I feel like this book, Jungle Gene, is a gift to humanity because it really is about how human nature can work successfully. So I'm going to do my little commercial <laughs> before we say goodbye. No, so. just, I, I have one more thing. and. Then you can absolutely, you can absolutely commercial it up, and I'll even I'll even jump off the screen so you can. Oh no no no! I don't want to have the screen off to myself. <laughs> so, uh, hypothetically, at this point, I'm going to tell you one one you should absolutely have your own podcast. You have a message and you have a voice. You have a perspective that not every not anybody I've ever met has. Mm -hmm. So, when you start your podcast, absolutely talk to me. Uh, I'm, I would love to be a resource for you in any way. If that's oh, something you'd ever be inspired to. Wow. I might actually call you soon about this. Uh, I love this thing you put me on Streamyard. Mm -hmm. but I often need somebody. I don't like to read instructions. I like somebody to tell me what to do. I don't always follow it. I don't always do what I'm told to do, but when I ask it's, somebody to tell me what to do, I do. It's I, pretty, it's pretty simple. It's really simple. Actually for you, you grew up with a cell phone in your hand. Oh, I mean, I, I didn't grow up with a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 19 or something. Oh, well, that's impressive. <laughs> I didn't have one until I was, uh, let's see, it was 2000. So I won't, I'm not going to date myself. I've done enough of that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but So did you so, want to say one more thing? And then my commercial is over. It's just buy my book, read it. It will change your life. And, you know, I'm not kidding. This story uh, reveals things that, very few people understand until they receive it in a story form. So anyway, that's my Hypothetic commercial. Hypothetically, I've gifted you this show. So this mm. has been your first episode of your podcast evolving. 
with Geraldine uh, Gendreau. There you go. That's close. That's what, close. What did I, what? You know, I thought about doing a podcast, and then I got talked out of it. Well, maybe, maybe later. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of production. Somebody said, "Why do it? Why not just use other people's production?" I thought okay. that's a really good idea. I just have to show up and be a guest instead of trying to build an audience, tap into other people's audience. That was my rationale, anyway. You don't have to rely on anybody else at all when you do it yourself. Also, also, don't let anybody tell you or convince you to not do something that you feel called oh, I wasn't to do. like that. It was, yeah. you know, I have a lot of advisors uh -huh. and, you know, I trust them to give me input. I don't uh -huh. take all of it, but if it rings true, that was like, oh my God, thank you for taking that off my to-do list. I mean, it's so, enough to learn how to produce a book, you know, anyway, let's not go so, there. So similar to, similar to a Jerry Springer's final thought on your pilot episode of your podcast evolving. What what is the take major takeaways and the life lessons and the the inspiration to evolve to a better version of yourself tomorrow? The you know I I would say that the number one takeaway for me of this book and of what I'm up to is for people to understand at a very deep level there's a revolutionary idea that joy is actually our natural state. That's what I experienced on the beach. That's how these people lived. There's story after story after story in here that will break through the trance that we live in that life is difficult. Like when human nature works successfully, life's a party, a celebration all the time. There are several stories in here of the, the um, indigenous people going through things that we would consider at the bottom of the scale of well-being, and they are having a great time. So I'll leave you with that. Like pain and suffering is an interpretation. You can learn to let it go and live in a state of love and joy. I'm not there hundred percent of the time, but a heck a lot more than yeah, I Yeah, it's to. it's it's work. It's yeah. work. It's work to it's work to be to be positive and especially when you're surrounded by people who aren't aren't lit up by your positivity. Because some people are so lacking that they mm -hmm. want to dim your shine and convince you mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. shouldn't be happy over stuff. But yeah. shine on, dude. I want to make sure you know by the end of this night, which you know we're we're wrapping it up right now. But I want to make sure you know, and anybody listening knows that I'm happy to be your friend. So if you oh. ever need a call, a friend, and just talk about some stuff, just need some judgment-free conversation. I'm happy to be that resource. I'm always here for you. Anybody listening, I'm not a hard person to get a hold of. If this is your <laughs> first time checking out Evolving with Corey Castle, go back and check out the other 200 and, uh, 246 episodes. And, you know, write me. Tell me what you think of them. I'm going to respond to you. I read everything. I'm I'm not too big of a deal to mm -hmm. make new friends. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, I do have you on my phone. Yes. You're one of the people that gave me. I was so glad to have your text today and say, Hey, can we push this out 15 minutes? That was yeah, great. Man. I'm actually going to require that people give me their phone number from now on. <laughs> like, awesome. really? Yeah, change the way we do I'm going to show up on your show. I either want to talk to you or your producer sometime beforehand. <laughs> anyway, I am very grateful for this. It was fun. Me too. Me too. 
Me too. And uh, thank you. And um, I guess that's <laughs> it. We say goodbye. Yeah. Well, I say normally. Okay. You do your I usually say I usually say the whole be fun, have safe, keep evolving. But you can say it with me if you want. I will. Okay. Be fun. Be, be fun. Oh, I thought it was be safe. safe. What? You were be fun, have safe. Be fun, have safe, or mm -hmm. oh, okay. Be fun, be fun, have safe, have safe, keep evolving, keep evolving. <laughs>